Before we start this week's podcast, we'd like to encourage our listeners to consider donating to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that fights for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy, and public education, they seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. Visit www.naacpldf.org to donate to an incredibly important cause. Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. We have got a fantastic episode tonight. We are going to be talking planning for the fantasy playoffs here. We are coming down home stretch. Playoffs are right on the horizon. I don't know if you can believe it, but we've already made it through 10 weeks of the NFL season. Um, I At times, I didn't think that we'd make it this far. thought the season would be over by now, uh, but we're still we're still going, so that's excellent. Um, we have a very special guest with us this evening to help us plan for the fantasy playoffs, uh, Pat Fitzmorris. Good evening, sir. Dustin and Jake, good evening. Great to be on with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Psyched to have you mm-hmm. on with us. This is it's refreshing to have another Packers Homer on the podcast here. So. That's right, or, man. Let's say Packers enthusiast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that, yeah. that sounds a little better and a little less biased. But um, yeah, <laughs> fellow Packer backer, uh, fellow you know, well former Madison resident. So uh, we've got you know the Wisconsin vibe is strong tonight, boys. Oh. There's probably going to be some opes dropped at some point in the middle of the podcast. Oh, you can you can make book on it yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so, Pat, why don't you uh, tell the folks a little bit about what the what you do and what you're about and everything like that before we get going here? Oh, sure. Um, so, I do fantasy rankings and some fantasy articles for thefootballgirl.com, which is owned and operated by my good friend Melissa Jacobs. Um, she lets me park her uh, my content on her site. And and uh, I have a weekly podcast, the Fits on Fantasy podcast. Uh, usually hits pretty early on, uh, like, well, sometimes it's available Monday night, sometimes Tuesday. I kind of try to be first to market with, like, weekly fantasy rankings with the podcast. Um, you know, I know a lot of content kind of hits midweek, later in the week. So I try to cheat everyone by <laughs> getting out there a little early and hoping that draws a few extra, you know, eyes and ears. Nice. Nice. Very good. Um well, before we get into our talk about fantasy playoffs, uh, we always talk about what we're drinking. So, Jake, do you want to start us off? I would love to. So I had to go extremely local for this episode here. So I have, from right here in Madison, Carbon 4 Outer Space. It is a New England-style Imperial IPA. has passion fruit and peach. It's a doozy. There's a lot going on here, but it's a 9 percenter. And so I am going to be... Really fantastic in about 45 minutes. (laughs) Nice, nice. And how about you, Pat? Uh, I'm going with a Sierra Nevada Hot Bullet Double IPA. And uh, wasn't thinking, should have... Should have had something teed up from Wisconsin and ready to go. But really, <laughs> the fridge is bare right now as far as Wisconsin beers, which is kind of shameful. We'll yeah. have to ship you some. We'll, we'll remedy that for <laughs> Yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah, and I'm drinking a new local brewery here to Madison called Youngblood Beer Company. This one is called All Time Barback. Uh, it's a hazy pale ale uh, coming in at 5.5%. Very refreshing, very nice. It's got a little bit of a floral, melony uh, uh, flavor to it. Uh, I wasn't quite sure as Jake and I were talking prior to coming on the air here. I wasn't quite sure when I grabbed it what I was going to think. I'm a little leery at times about this whole hazy uh, craze that's going on with craft beer. Uh, I don't know why it can't just be a regular pale ale, why it's got to be hazy, but it's actually very good beer, and I would highly recommend it to anyone that's in the Madison area. If you can get your hands on it, I would recommend it. I've never loved how much you've sounded like such an old man about beer before that very (laughs) moment there. I wasn't sure. I don't like how they're changing up, how they're doing all of this. Uh, but I'm glad that it worked out for you, at least in the long run here. Well, I am on the wrong side of 40 now, so that, that's that's old to a lot of the young folks. So uh, I'll just lean into that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. 
Okay, Jake, should we move on? Do you want to give us our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week? Let's do it. So, gentlemen, this week's trade comes from Reddit user That1HSmith. I want you to keep in mind that this was sent to us right after week six. Okay, so time frame is is somewhat important for this. So this person sent Mike Evans and Daryl Henderson for Devontae Adams. Yes, I, of course, picked this out because it highlights Devontae Adams, and (laughs) and I wanted us to center around one of the best players uh, to ever come out of Green Bay. So this is a 10-team dynasty league, half-point PPR. Now, there's a little bit of uh, extra uh, uh, notes in with this. So this person was sitting at 5-1, and felt the need to go all-in on a talent like Adams that could easily backfire. Giving up depth in this crazy year, and Henderson could be a legit RB2, maybe even RB1, if the committee of Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown didn't actually take over. Felt good about solidifying the number one for his wide receivers, of course, Devontae, and the number two, which would either be Amari Cooper or Keenan Allen, while still having, for his running backs here, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, and Ronald Jones. So again, four weeks ago, try to get into his mindset here. Initial impressions on this trade for the person getting Adams. Pat, do you want to kick us off here? Oh, sure. Uh, love it for Mr. Smith. Really nice move. I'm sure at the time he made this deal, you said around week six, so that was probably when the uh, Daryl Henderson hype was starting to kick in, like when he really came on and looked fantastic um, at about the week five, week six points. And, uh, you know, Evans, I, I think, not that I'm necessarily worried about Evans holding his value going forward, but maybe he's not the, you know, 10-year slam dunk we thought he'd be for the next, well, I mean, he's 27 already, Adams is 27 already, but I think Adams' game might age a little bit better. Um, you know, and we... Didn't see the Antonio Brown thing coming at the time either, which is, uh, you know, maybe diminished Evans' current stock a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he made out really well in this deal, I think, with the Rams running back situation still looking kind of messy, uh, the Buccaneers situation looking messy, and, you know, Evans really, man, if not for the touchdown perfume, he would be having a pretty mediocre <laughs> season. Um, so, yeah, great trade, great mm-hmm. trade. Absolutely. Dustin, are you sharing that sentiment? Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Uh, I would go with Devontae Adams' side 10 times out of 10, uh, especially in a 10-team league. Uh, there's typically a little bit more depth out there on the waiver wire. So if you did have to make some sort of move, I know he's concerned about giving up depth. But, I mean, you're wide receivers. You have three stud wide receivers that you can throw out every single week while still having Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs. I mean, that's a pretty potent one-two punch as well with your running backs. So. Yeah, I am all over that every day of the week. I love that trade. We're not used to seeing such good drunk trades come through from these. You know, typically it's the shameful variety uh, where nobody really wants to admit it. And and we almost feel bad for calling them out here. This one, it's really just a pat on the back, I think, all around. So so well done, that Mm -hmm. one, H. Smith. Well done to you. Yeah, absolutely. If I could make drunk trades like that, I'd be doing it all the time. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't have to lock your phone after a certain hour every night if that was what you were getting in return. That's right. (laughs) Now, speaking of shame, Dustin, do we want to just go ahead and transition right into this next segment? Or do you want to take some time to mentally collect yourself? What do you think? I I have so much rage over this next segment here. uh, we we started doing a weekly uh, bet on our podcast here. Uh, I, I was one and zero going into this week. Felt pretty good about our our bet for this last week here. So the bet was, as a reminder, Stefan Diggs versus DeAndre Hopkins. Who would have more receiving yards? Uh, they were going head to head in the game. Thought it was a great uh, matchup uh, for both sides. I thought it would be really close, which it did end up being really close. Uh, but thank God DeAndre Hopkins had that 55 yard Hail Mary at the end of the game for me to lose the bet. Oh, it's, it's, I have so much rage over that. Uh, I mean, it was such a beautiful play too. Any other time I would have absolutely loved it and gone crazy for it. But knowing that that is how I lose this bet just infuriates me to no end. Well, let's put the bet aside for just a quick second so we can talk about that catch by DeAndre Hopkins because this could not have come at a more apropos week to discuss this because, gentlemen, did you have flashbacks to Arizona a few years ago with Aaron Rodgers uncorking to Jeff Janis in a very similar fashion? 
or uh, the Richard Rogers Hail Mary mm-hmm. too. That that was kind of what came to mind. Where you know, I, I guess Dustin had to be in the shoes of Detroit fans, thinking like, <laughs> "Oh my God, how did he catch that freaking ball? Didn't we have enough guys there? Jeez." So um, it was man, impressive. That's it a really hard was. way to lose a bet. Hard way to <laughs> yeah. lose a bet. Well, the fact what that I liked had... about the bet, aside from the fact that I won, of course, what else I liked about the bet <laughs> was the back and forth of it because there was a big bomb to Diggs that put him up by a lot of yards mm-hmm. towards the end of his game, and then to have it kind of revert back is just a, an extra bit of delight. So to to recap, the actual yardage put up, yes, Stefan Diggs, very respectable, ninety three yards. DeAndre Hopkins, more respectable, one hundred and twenty seven. Oh, that just makes me angry. (laughs) But a bet is a bet, and I have to pay it off. So I have – I dug through the depths of my liquor cabinet here uh, because I didn't want to do anything super high-end, super nice here on a a bet. So I've got the old standby fireball to do. Uh, Yowzers for the fireball. My person, my personal uh, taste buds and or stomach lining do not respond well to Fireball any longer. So Godspeed to you on this. Uh, one. It tastes like Mardi Gras to me, so it, it, it'll it'll warm me up in all the right ways. <laughs> so right. Jake, um, I will be saying this shortly, but uh, we also had another one that lost this bet. Our guest last week, Porkman, uh, he he was on my side of the bet as well. You can tune into him giving up uh, his props to Jake on the Dynasty Rewind tonight. They do their waiver wire show. I'm sure he will be giving out his his praise to Jake at, at how wonderful he is. So go tune into that after you're done with our show tonight uh, so you can see double the shots being done. So Jake... You are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. That's what I love to hear. And uh, and a well done <laughs> down the gullet shot of fireball to remind you that at least for one week, I am superior to you. Just for and one week. <laughs> Don't get used for to the it. One. Uh, All right. Now that we got some housekeeping behind us here, um, let's do a quick uh, injury update, as we like to do here. Uh, Not too bad this week, although a couple fairly significant fantasy-relevant players getting injured. Uh, Headliner this week is obviously Drew Brees. They're saying five broken ribs and a collapsed lung. Oof. Um, Yeah, last I heard, at least three to five weeks he could be out, uh, depending on treatment. Um, What are your guys' feelings on Brees kind of as we are talking about pursuing the fantasy playoffs here and and what to do? Well, uh, I mean, I kind of like Jameis Winston as an ad. I'm a little worried about the possibility that maybe they work in a little more Taysom Hill wildcat and that maybe tamps down the uh, upside a little bit for Winston. But, you know, with Kamara and Michael Thomas and, you know, Jameis's natural downfield passing aggression, I don't know how that's going to, I don't know how that's going to work with Sean Payton. That's going to be interesting to see that dynamic in action. But um, it does make him, I think, a viable option, uh, certainly this week streaming against the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um I was kind of curious to ask you guys what you think about this thing. Like, I saw that Taysom Hill has tight end eligibility in some leagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just seems so shady. Like, I don't know how platforms would allow that sort of thing. Like, he hasn't he hasn't taken a snap as a true tight end all year, has he? It's very bizarre because with most of these platforms and the way that they've explained it here this week, in light of Taysom Hill likely getting a lot more work, is, you know, if he starts off the week with that designation, he gets to keep throughout the week. They don't change it midweek at any point. So at least for this week, he has that designation. Next week could change, obviously, just depending on, on where he gets used this week. I think I, it's very, it's very strange. I think there was a couple examples last year of guys and Taysom Hill may have even been one, but Jalen Samuels is another one that comes to mind for Pittsburgh where he got floated into that position. And because tight end is so, so awful right now, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, I just don't, I don't have confidence in almost anybody. If the loophole is there and you can't exploit it and Taysom's out on waivers, I'm okay with picking him up and hoping. Um, I'm not, ex- I'm with you. I think Jameis is the guy and needs to be the guy. I'm very curious to see how Jameis handles the, uh, the different scheme here. Will we see him get even close to the gunslinger that he was last year? I don't know. But yeah, as far as the tight end thing, I- I'll pick up Hill. I don't know if I feel super confident starting him unless my tight ends, like if I don't have any other options, I'll, I'll throw him in. 
Yeah, I, I feel the same way, Jake. Unless I hear also later this week Sean Payton come out and say definitively that Taysom's going to get more playing time this week than normal, uh, then I would definitely probably pick him up and, and throw him in that as a flex option, whether it's in the tight end or your wide receiver, running back, quarterback, whatever designation he has in the kicker position. I don't know. Um, I would throw him in there just because you know he's going to get plays. He'll probably end up getting a touchdown just because that's what he does. And and it'll be a probably for this week a fairly safe floor. Do you think it is that? Because I still do worry that now we're all expecting even a little bit more usage for, for Taysom Hill. And then now just watch. He's going to let Jameis do everything, and he's not going to take him off the field. Probably won't actually happen. But I, mm-hmm. can, I can still see it. Like I can mm-hmm. still see Sean Payton doing that. Yeah. All right. Another Saints, Traquan Smith out with a concussion. Monitor that. Uh, I haven't heard anything whether he's definitely ruled out yet for this next week, but definitely monitor. John Brown had an ankle injury, left the game. I don't think it was too serious, but again, kind of monitor it to see if he's going to be available. Teddy Bridgewater. This looked kind of serious when it happened. Uh, he has his knee injury, uh, but looks like he could play this week. Again, keep an eye on the reports and, and what they're saying uh, out of Carolina there. And then lastly, Matt Stafford uh, has a thumb injury. Sounds like he could play as well. But again, keep an eye on it. Have a backup ready to go. Uh, any one of those other uh, players you guys feel like talking about a little bit more? Or again, just kind of monitor it and see what happens. Yeah, the... Uh... The Bridgewater thing would be interesting. I know people, like I've heard a few medical people say they think he'll probably play. Sprained MCL, I think it is. Um, it would be kind of interesting to see P.J. Walker get a start. Like, <laughs> I, Part of me wants to see that, but uh, I do think, you know, based on what I've heard, that Teddy has a pretty good chance to suit up. I agree. I would like mm-hmm. to see the Walker and Robbie Anderson connection have a chance <laughs> here for one week, you know. Um, I do wonder if Teddy Bridgewater, so I actually, I am debating if Bridgewater does play, do I start him? Do I feel comfortable enough starting him? Now, now I have him in Scott Fishbowl, which adds a whole other layer of issues because of, you know, the, the points for incompletions and all that. Yeah. I was going to say, are you fishing for advice here? Yeah. I'm just saying (laughs) hypothetically, if somebody else out there was in my exact same situation, what would you tell them to do? Oh. Oh man. That's tough. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about you, Dustin. I mean, I've I've got Teddy, I think, ranked out of the top twenty this week. You know, in a, a twenty eight team a twenty eight team week. So uh, I'm not real optimistic because you know Teddy actually has returned a little bit of value with the legs this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I, off the top of my head. I know what at least one touchdown run, maybe two. Um, you know, picking up the occasional yardage with some odd scrambles. Um, you know, Detroit's not a bad matchup, but I just, yeah, I'm a, a little worried about him going in at less than full strength. Yeah, same here. I think if you have another option, it'd probably be better to pivot. But again, it's kind of watching what the coaches are saying and, and how he practices this week to see that should give you a better indication of whether he's going to play or not. So fire up Mike Davis, though, is what I'm hearing probably through all mm-hmm. of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good deal. Well, before we get into our main segment here, where we uh, will give you some options for the fantasy playoffs, let's go ahead and let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Who Kitchen. Who is a family-founded chocolate and snacking company focused on creating products that match ultra-simple ingredients with unbeatable taste. Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hugh only uses simple, real, and responsibly sourced ingredients. Who obsessively vets every Every ingredient to unite unbeatable taste with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. Use code POD, that's P-O-D, for 15% off your next purchase at whokitchen.com. That's H-U-Kitchen.com and code P-O-D. All right. Definitely check them out. Thank you, Jake. So, We are planning for the fantasy playoffs here. We are a couple weeks away from the fantasy playoffs starting. So we're each going to talk about a couple players that you should either be targeting in trades or maybe they're deep waiver wire pickup. Uh, As we always like to say, as waivers run every week, maybe it's someone that gets dropped because of injury or bye weeks. 
so, so these are players that we think you should be looking at that will help you in the fantasy playoffs and help you get to the ship. So, uh, Pat, why don't you lead us off here with your first one? All right. Um, I'll start out since we were just talking about the uh, hellscape that is the tight end position. Uh, let's go into one. And uh, I kind of like Noah Fant. You know, he hasn't been super efficient with yards per target, and maybe efficiency is asking a lot of any tight end who is tethered to Drew Locke as his quarterback. But uh, I do think Fant is one of the more talented guys in the league. No longer any sort of uh, target sharing with Albert O, who's uh, injured now. So, you know, he's got the tight end position pretty much to himself, although former Badger Troy Fumagalli did have two catches this past week. Um, <laughs> and he gets in the fantasy playoffs uh, weeks 15 and 16, the Bills and Chargers, both, I believe, bottom five defenses as far as fantasy points per game allowed to opposing tight ends. So the matchups are right. I know a lot of people, the non-Kelsey owners, are scrambling for tight end help. You know, anyone who's in there streaming Logan Thomas and uh, our boy Robert Tanyan every week is probably looking for a more permanent solution. And, uh, you know, I don't think Fant would take, like, a king's ransom to be obtained in a trade. I agree with that. I think he's still flying enough under the radar, primarily due to injuries. I think just you haven't seen it consistently from him week in and week out. And I think that does just help from a perceived value standpoint in your leagues about going out and trying to get some of these guys. Um, it, it helps <laughs> when they've they've put up goose eggs in the column uh, on certain weeks, even if it is due to injury. So I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Agree 100%. Hundred percent, Dustin. Not even like a, not even a half a percent of doubt in your brain nope. here. Zero. Love it. <laughs> I agree. I just wanted to hear you say. It. All right, Jake. How about you? I want to highlight a quarterback that I actually just picked up in our home league, mine and Dustin's home league, uh, this last week. It's Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers quarterback. Now. Quarterback is still a dicey proposition going into the playoffs for me because for every quarterback that I looked at that had a great opponent one week, they had an equally awful opponent the next week in terms of their fantasy values. I'm trying to look for somebody who at least can give you some sort of consistency once you get there and also that you would be happy to start in the weeks leading up to it. So for me, that is Herbert. I do love his his matchups. Uh, once we get to the playoffs, mostly because I love the first week matchup that he gets against the Falcons. We just talked about uh, the Falcons earlier here and how great they are for opposing quarterbacks to just go hog wild on. It's, it's them and the Seahawks. If you're lucky enough to have a quarterback on your roster that plays either one of those teams, I'm just very excited for you. <laughs> and so I want you to have that nice kickoff to your fantasy playoffs with Herbert. He's looked, in terms of rookie quarterbacks, Tua has looked fantastic, and I think the best out of all of the rookies to this point. But Herbert, for me, is actually fairly close behind him. It's not as if he's dropping 60 points for you every week, um, but with the guys that he has there, and primarily Keenan Allen, I like what he has available to him. And like I said, that matchup against the Falcons is really just what does it for me. And if you are rostering somebody right now that if you have a Teddy Bridgewater, and especially for super flex leagues, if you have a, a second QB, somebody that like like that, or um, I, I don't know. Honestly, even if you have like a Matt Stafford and, and he's coming back for those playoffs, I don't want to start him. I don't, I don't want to chance that. So I'd rather have the kind of safe option with Herbert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Herbert. Uh, man, I, I we've talked about it previously, so I won't belabor it too much. But, man, he is someone that I did not expect to just jump right into the NFL and do what he's done. I, he has opened up that offense. And, I mean, it just has elevated the entire team. And... There's just nothing not to like about him. 
I don't know if you can use a double negative like that. Uh, but basically, <laughs> you just short can, story. So we're gonna we're gonna go with it. Short story. I love him, and I love that pick. I like I said, I wish I had him on more rosters because uh, he has just looked fantastic this year. Yeah. Um, so if I can put the local spin on this, boys, remember the Rose Bowl last year, Wisconsin against Oregon. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it didn't work out well for uh, our Wisconsin Badgers. But if you'll recall, like, I don't know about you, but I was not at all worried about Justin Herbert beating the Badgers through the air that game. Mm-hmm. It was the long touchdown run and a couple other long runs he had that sort of did more of the damage than anything he did through the air. Um, you know, and, you know, Wisconsin shot ourselves in the foot quite a bit in that game in other ways, so uh, we don't have to rehash that. But after seeing <laughs> Justin Herbert in that game, I was not picturing him going into Tampa in his rookie year and shredding a good Buccaneers, a very good Buccaneers defense in week mm-hmm. five when he had the, uh, what, I think there was a bomb to Jalen Guyton that game and maybe a touchdown pass to Gabe Neighbors. Like, he wasn't – I don't even know if Keenan Allen played that game. I can't remember if he was healthy or not for that one. I think he but, might have been um, out for that one. Yeah, so just did not expect that sort of performance. And Herbert has really been doing it. Like, Joe Burrow has been sort of matchup sensitive this year. Like, he's not played well against some of the better defenses. Um, you know, the Ravens, the Colts, this uh, week one when the, the Chargers were at full strength with um, Chris Harris Jr. at cornerback and Hayward and Bosa and Ingram. Um, you know, like, no touchdown passes in a lot of those games. And Herbert is just kind of like, gotten it done against everyone this year it's been really impressive yeah and i love the fact that they've just opened up the entire offense for him and haven't really hamstrung him at all and just letting them just i mean nothing's off limits it seems like for him so uh that's just another positive for him that he's been able to handle the playbook and they haven't had to kind of dummy it down for him him being a rookie this year and obviously working with backup running backs and, and and the whole nine yards so uh yeah it's just I can't say enough good things about him. He's he's really impressed me. And Pat, to your point about you know his his game against Wisconsin, now he is also putting up some touchdowns with his feet in this year. He's got three already so far, and it's very clear. You know that's not a focal point for him. It's not somebody like Lamar Jackson where you're going to expect a whole bunch of rushing yards out of him in any game. But it's nice to have that there as an option that's available to sure. you, and it's not just because of a QB sneak. You know so. Uh, I do like that. I like that his other matchups outside of Atlanta are the Raiders and Broncos, both matches where I think he'll thrive. So uh, I'm psyched for him. Okay. All right. My first player here is Damian Harris, running back for New England. Uh, He's got a tough week 14, but then the rest of the playoffs uh, look fantastic for him going against Miami and Buffalo. And I just love that over the last three weeks, he's RB19. Uh, he's starting to get much more involved. He's averaging almost six yards a carry over this last three weeks. And yeah, I, I don't see this changing. Uh, for whatever reason, James White hasn't been nearly as involved as we thought he would be. Um, Cam hasn't looked like Cam since the early part of the season. So they're having to rely on their running game a little bit more. And, and he can be a solid RB two for you on your team, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. You need those players and you can probably get them really damn cheap at this point. Uh, Cause people probably still don't believe in them. Are you worried at all? I only have to pose the question because people might be worried about this. If Sony Michelle comes back off of IR and goes in there, are you worried at all about him? I suppose there's a tiny piece of me that, yes, is a little bit worried, but Sony Michelle wasn't doing much before he got injured. Like, he just, he hasn't been the guy. He always flashes in those fantasy playoffs the last couple years, but with him coming off injury, I just, I don't know. He's, he's, he, he's always injured. So I feel like he could come out, get a couple snaps, get re-injured, and then he'd be out again at this point. <laughs> I don't see him being in the long-term plans for the Patriots at this point. 
where Damien Harris has showed, and they spent up for him. They, they, they took him in the third round last year, which is not insignificant. So they obviously saw something in him, and, and they wouldn't have drafted him if, if they weren't going to utilize him. It's been nice to see that they have been utilizing him these last couple of weeks, especially even if he's not getting the targets, even if Burkhead comes onto the field and steals that away from him a little bit. And not James White, which you're right, is weird and kind of shameful. Um, but, you know, the fact that he's getting so much run and, you know, it's all these running backs with rushing quarterbacks that tend to benefit a lot. And I, I look at Lamar Jackson last year with Mark Ingram and there feels like there's a little bit of that vibe with Harris this year. Uh, lately, at least. So I I really like that. Okay, Pat, we'll throw it back to you here. Who's your second player? All right, so, um, you know, it kind of pains me to – I know a lot of people are spite-dropping Jonathan Taylor at this point this week. I do think the most stable asset in the indie backfield right now is Naheem Hines, who admittedly I have kind of dogged and badmouthed earlier in the year as just an ordinary third down back who should not be, you know, as a Jonathan Taylor fan, of course, I was angry anytime Naheem Hines got a first or second down carry. Like, why are they giving it to him? Give it to Taylor, damn it. Um, You know, and like Hines is... I still think it's kind of a negative EV to give him carries on first and second down, but they are doing it. He's, uh, you know, got a slight plurality, I think, of snaps in that backfield. Like he's kind of the most stable asset and their run game schedule, the last, um, the next five weeks, the, I've got it here. Hold on. The, uh, Colts play the Packers, Titans, Texans, Raiders, and Texans again. My God, that is a really soft schedule. Mm-hmm. And, um, boy, I, like, I would still say keep a candle lit for Taylor, uh, <laughs> in case he gets rolling. Cause man, those defenses are so bad. Let me just mention that, um, a, uh, a fellow Wisconsin Badger, Michael Beller of the Athletic, a good friend of mine, runs this crazy pool every year where, 32 guys throwing 100 bucks a piece, and we are randomly drawn a team, and we have to bet that team against the spread every week. We have to pick their game against the spread, and we get wins or losses, and we track it like a regular league. Um, you know, it's not zero sum. The records don't equate to 500 automatically. And I drew the Texans this week, so I've been or this year, and I've been keeping an extra close eye on them. That defense is so bad. I mean, for my oh, money, it's yeah. got to be the worst <laughs> defense in the league. Um, you know, awful against the, the the run, and not much better against the pass. Uh, and for the Colts to get that defense twice in the most important weeks of the season, in weeks what thirteen and fifteen, 15 yep. I believe it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, the party does not end for the Colts running backs until week 16 when they play the Steelers. So if you get into week 16, you're going to have to go with another option. But uh, either Hines, possibly our guy Jonathan Taylor, could be huge on the stretch. Uh, when you say that, it gives me these feelings of, of turmoil in my stomach because it was just a few weeks ago that I was talking about this beautiful stretch for Jonathan Taylor. I kept yes. thinking in my head, he's going to feast on these teams. You're absolutely right. That stretch is insane for any running back to be gifted that. It's something you just need to take advantage of. And now, of course, Hines. And Hines getting goal line work is something that's very strange to me as well. I don't know why they're putting him in there, but he's he's producing. So you can't argue with it too much, I don't think. Um, Steelers, yeah, that's going to be, yeah, have another option, like you said. Uh, maybe he'll catch a, a few passes for a yard apiece against them and you won't get goosed. Uh, but I... Dustin, are you willing to finally concede that it is Hines over Taylor rest of season? Yes. Um, And Hines was actually one of the players I was looking at uh, talking about this evening uh, just because he's obviously flashed uh, outside of this week even. I know he had the monster week this last week, um, which I love seeing that 30 points on my bench. It makes me feel so nice and warm and fuzzy. Uh, But but he has been consistent, and he is currently RB16 on the season. I mean, that is so good. And according to Fantasy Pros, he's only owned in 41% of leagues. So he should be wildly available for you to pick up. And 
he might be difficult to get off the guy that if he is owned in your league, he, he might you might have to sweeten the deal a little bit more than you normally would have because they, they know what they have with him if, if they've been holding on to him this season. But yeah, I love him. And that schedule is just uh, uh, is just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to quick throw a quick dynasty spin to this. If you are looking, if you're a contender and the person who has Heinz is very clearly not, this is kind of the optimal situation for both teams where where if they're just trying to unload him, because I don't know that anybody believes Heinz is going to be a thing next year. So if that person is looking to get rid of him, I still think that a very reasonable deal could be made on both ends. And then I think at this point, you just have to spend what you have to spend, even if you're not going to reap the benefits next year for these kind of players. Even from a dynasty perspective, I'm more than happy to go out and try and get him. Absolutely. I mean, if that's what's going to take to push you over the edge to get the ship, absolutely go for it. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, Heinz, if nothing else, is good depth. Um, you know, if you have an injury, if Heinz is your third or fourth back, I think you would feel okay about sticking him into the RB2 spot or the flex spot if you were in a pinch in any of those games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jake, lay your next guy on us here. This one's gross. I'm just going to put it out there. This is gross <laughs> to even have to type into this spot on the sheet, but I did it. And you know what? I'm okay with it now after sitting with it for just a bit. It's J.D. McKissick running back for Washington. Now, I've been all over Antonio Gibson. I've wanted the workload that J.D. McKissick has gotten through the air. I've wanted that absorbed into Antonio Gibson for the longest time because Gibson is a wide receiver turned running back. So it just seemed like that would be the way for for things to happen. It's not how it's happened. And at this point, it's not a fluke. It just seems like a a wave that we have to ride. So McKissick with Alex Smith under center has been not just usable, but but he's really carried teams that maybe thought they didn't have a shot in those weeks. His targets with Alex Smith, the last two weeks, 14 targets, 15 targets. That's that's patently absurd for a running back to be getting that. Even on a, a bad team, which Washington still objectively is, their defense has been giving up a lot of points. So they've had to try and really cut backs. And Smith has had to dump off quite a bit to McKissick. I don't see this changing. And in fact, for his for his playoff stretch, weeks 14 through 16, he gets all teams that are in the top 10 in terms of receiving yards allowed to running backs. So it's not just that he's going to get the targets. It's that he can get those targets and now maybe even be more efficient than he already has with those for you and produce some real yards. I mean, if you can have a guy like that in your flex, we're talking about Heinz in a similar situation. If you have a flex-ready player like that for your playoffs, that is putting you in a real confidence spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was just on my podcast this week. I had Ian Harditz of PFF on. We were talking about the Gibson McKissick dynamic. And, uh, you know, Ian was saying how he was kind of mortified by McKissick's usage in the, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Jake, the sort of gross feeling of the McKissick <laughs> value. But uh, it's true. And we were kind of musing about just to, to show how things in 2020 have not exactly gone according to plan. Uh, back in the summer when we were all thinking like, oh man, with that skill set, like if Gibson can just get, you know, the third down roll and then maybe start like eating into that early down work that was probably going to be split between what Bryce Love and Peyton Barber and Adrian Peterson back then. (laughs) If you would have told us that a couple months into the season, oh yeah, Antonio Gibson's got majority share the early down work we would have been like yes top five guy i'm Mm -hmm. drafting him (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and to find out that he is uh you know not really the third down guy at all would have just been jaw-dropping so um yeah i i agree on mckissick man and especially (laughs) the alex smith check down king factor thrown in there i mean the the targets and catches i mean at at halftime this past week what uh mckissick had like 12 targets right Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's a good call, man. McKissick in, you know, especially in full point PPR leagues, there is absolute value there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. In standard leagues, I'm still, uh, I I think there are other better options for you if you're in a pain, right. plainly standard league. Mm-hmm. Even, the, even there, though, he has the potential to come back and get you some value because, again, of the yardage that could increase from what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So um, I. I don't expect anybody to feel extremely good about clicking that button to add him onto your (laughs) roster, but I think it will benefit you in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good call, Jake. I like that. All right, wrapping up this segment here, my last player, uh, Sterling Shepard. Now, 
he is on by this week. So this is the perfect opportunity to get him onto your roster, especially if you can afford to have that uh, player on the bench not getting you points. Uh, his schedule from now up until championship week, you don't want to play him championship week because he has Baltimore, but he has got a great schedule. Uh, he's got Cincinnati, Seattle, Arizona, and Cleveland. Uh, you don't get much better than that. And I know, I know the Giants offense is gross right now. Uh, but he is the one getting all the targets on the team. And we don't know what's going on with Golden Tate. He seems to have worked himself off the team, essentially, at this point. I know he's still playing, but he's got that weird thing going on. Uh, Evan Ingram, not really overly involved for whatever reason. Uh, and since he's come back from injury, he's been averaging nine targets a game, uh, which is fantastic. So he's only scored one touchdown, which is disappointing, but I feel like that that could change at any moment. We know touchdowns are fickle, uh, but he is getting the volume. And again, he's someone that you don't have to pay a lot for. I think a lot of people are kind of writing him off. He's one of those guys we like to talk about every year that, that is that potential breakout kind of guy, or he's, he, he's going to take over the number one uh, wide receiver role on the team. And it just doesn't seem to happen, but he's always just wildly consistent under the radar. And like I said, for what you're going to have to pay for him uh, and what his schedule is, uh, I, I think there's not a lot of better options out there. Isn't he kind of becoming the next Jarvis Landry just in terms of unsung heroes for fantasy football teams where nobody ever looks at it in a really glowing light, but the people who have them on their teams can appreciate it, but nobody from the outside seems to be able to grasp that. It, it just feels like he's becoming that next type of player. And from a target share perspective, I'm very happy about that. And, and again, hopefully mm -hmm. the person who does have him currently on the roster is looking at it like people view the unsexier uh, receivers out there like, uh, like Landry. Yeah, it's funny. I wasn't, like I struggled with how to determine the hierarchy of the Giants passing game in the summer. And um, then we started getting these reports that Shepard seemed like he was going to be Daniel Jones's go-to guy. And, uh, you know, then the season started and I'm like, ah, Slayton is the best guy in, in this receiving core. But since Shepard came back from the toe injury, he has gotten 11 more targets than Slayton. So maybe he really is kind of Jones's go-to guy. And I know the, the targets are probably a little higher value with Slayton, but, um, as Dustin mentioned, like Shepard is getting eight or nine targets consistently every game. And, um, you know, combine that with the favorable schedule. And I like that call. Okay. <clears throat> well, any last thoughts here about planning for the fantasy playoffs before we uh, move into starts and sits of the week here? No? So what kind of good? general thought on this that I do want to put out for, for folks? As you're doing this, and maybe your league's trade, trade deadline has passed, hopefully not. Hopefully a lot of your leagues that you're playing in don't actually have a firm trade deadline outside of maybe the playoffs themselves. Um, but don't feel bad if you think that you are, quote-unquote, spending more than you should in these situations. This is the time to not overthink that part of it. Earlier in the season, if, you, if you're a big fab league and you have a lot of fab that's left out there, this is the time to go all in. This is not the time to hold any of that back. So just feel confident. Don't feel like you have to restrain yourself at this point in the season. Just go for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. Okay, so we'll go around the virtual table here and uh, each give our start of the week one player from any position. So, Pat, as our guest, why don't you start us off? All right, thanks, Dustin. Um, I alluded to the terribleness of the Texans' run defense before, so I think Rex Burkhead is actually playable this week. Um, and, and we've seen... Lately, the Patriots have sort of pared down their offense to the bare bones minimum of just Cam Newton trying to deliver the ball on any given play, either Damian Harris, your guy Dustin, Rex Burkhead, or Jacoby Myers. And like, that's it at this point. And Burkhead's had 18 carries and seven catches in his last two games. Um, and the Texans, just to put the, the, sieve-like quality of their defense in the numbers. They've allowed 1,507 rushing yards, the highest total in the league so far. 5.2 yards per carry, also the highest total in the league. 26.8 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs, topped only by the Detroit Lions. So that is absolutely a run defense to target. And, uh, you know, Rex is pretty startable this week in a 14 bye week. 
Mm-hmm. Rex Burkhead has at points looked like the best running back on the field. No, no shame towards Damian Harris, but it's just like what they're asking him to do. He's so efficient with his touches that there's that feeling almost of like, oh, why are you even taking this guy off the field? You know, and so right. you might see that efficiency go even jumped up a notch against Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, f- I forgot to mention it, but for whatever reason, unfortunately, our, our guy James White has kind of been kicked to the curb in that offense. So that's been to Burkhead's benefit. Mm hmm. Jake, hand it over to you. This one feel, from a pure stats perspective, this one does not feel great to say, but I still have a a sense of confidence about this. Joe Burrow, this week, he's playing against Washington. Now, the front seven of Washington was something that I was not confident in throwing a quarterback into the fray against, especially earlier this season. But I think what we've seen these last couple of weeks is that quarterbacks that play similar to Joe Burrow have had an opportunity against them to really get some points. Now, the the only thing that stinks, and Dustin, you and I are both kind of out on Joe Mixon just in terms of uh, fantasy value and whatnot, but what he what he could do for a quarterback could still be beneficial in a game like this. Now, I do think Gio Bernard sees a bunch of dump-offs, and I think that that helps ratchet up Joe Burrow's yardage this week. But I also think that once Alex Smith came in, there's been this weird back and forth that's happened in the last couple of weeks with him. When it gets into the second half of he's actually started to get the offense humming at points, which in turn has forced the opposing offense to kind of rally back. So that's what I'm hoping for with Joe Burrow. All I want out of this week is for you to believe that Joe Burrow can be a top 16 guy for your team if you're lacking that confidence. I am not expecting the world here. I'm not expecting a top 10 performance by any means. I think a lot of people are going to be concerned about starting Joe Burrow, and I don't know that you have to be. I think he'll be a fair start this week. Yeah, I love those weapons that they've got there and kind of what they're building on offense with that team with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. You still have A.J. Green there, which has flashed at times this season. You know, you've got Gio and Joe out of the backfield, which can catch balls. Uh, I Yeah, I really like what they're doing there. And I yeah, I, I don't hate that call, Jake. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I like Jake touting the underrated shootout potential of Bengals versus football team, too. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I don't know if anybody has ever assessed a label of shootout onto these two teams before, but I do think it needs to be nope. presented. Enough said, Jake. I'm betting the over in that game. I'm putting it all down. That's fine, but don't you come back on me if that goes up. <laughs> all right. My start of the week here, it's going to go kind of contrarian to what we were talking about earlier uh, with Naheem Hines, but my start of the week is Jonathan Taylor going against our Green Bay Packers this week. Um, If there is ever a game that is a get-right game for him, it's this one. The Green Bay defense, run defense in particular, has just been awful. I mean, we saw, well, we've seen it all season. Of They just give up these just giant chunk plays to the running backs. And if it wasn't for two penalties this last week, uh, James Robinson would have just had an outstanding week because uh, he had two touchdowns called back. So, uh, yeah, if there was ever a week for Jonathan Taylor to get right and be on the field, uh, it, it, it's going to be this week. Don't give up hope on him. Fingers crossed. (laughs) If he gets any sort of touches this week, there's no way. And and it hurts. It does hurt to admit this. But obviously, we're all watching the games. We we see how bad it is. So, yes, if you have the opportunity to have a guy like that with that talent, have a get-right game, sadly, it's going to be against (laughs) the Packers. I've had, like, at least two or three Twitter followers ask me this week, like, should I drop Jonathan Taylor? Not even, like, who who should I pick? Should I pick up this guy in place of Jonathan Taylor? People just want to spite drop him man uh you know it would kind of hurt to have him finally go off against the packers but like it's definitely in the realm of possibility i will say to add to that if he does not go off against green bay at that point i would feel comfortable dropping him. (laughs) good point good point well and i know he hasn't lived up to expectations that we all had for the season but he's currently sitting at rb19 like he is a fairly viable week to week player I know it's a little bit more roller coaster than we like, but it's not like he's outside the top 36 here. Like, like he is having a, a decent season. It, it just doesn't feel like it. That's yeah. actually shocking to me that you say that I did not think he was even close to that range, just not looking at the, the stats ahead of time. So that is genuinely <laughs> shocking to me. Yeah. Um, if I can just make one more quick point about Jonathan Taylor, like, 
it, it seems like when you watch him run, he's not making the best decision. The decisions that seem to come for him so easily against uh, when he was going against Big Ten competition at Wisconsin, like when to cut, when to just go forward, when to turn the acceleration on, just the sort of during the run, you know, that split that second decision that makes a run either fail or succeed, he hasn't done well with. Like, he hasn't hit those decisions at the same rate. But it kind of reminds me of what we saw from Miles Sanders last year. Like, Miles Sanders always had, had the passing game floor last year, and that kind of floated him early on. But in the running game, like, he wasn't good early on. He was making bad decisions. He was running into blockers, just... Like, it didn't look good at all for Miles Sanders early in the running game. And then he kind of got it. Like, the light came on late in the season. And I'm sort of holding out hope that maybe the same thing happens for Taylor. Um, You know, get the, the first 10 games under his belt and maybe things start to slow down a little bit. Yeah, here's hoping. Because uh, I, I loved watching him in college and I'd love to see him succeed in the NFL. Amen, brother. I just don't want another Monte Ball situation. That's yeah. all I'm hoping yeah, for here. He, ha- he has to keep straight ahead here. That's right. All right, so now we'll go on to our bust or sit of the week. So, Pat, hit us up here. All right, uh, Robbie Anderson, and I think people have kind of not realized that things have gone downhill for him pretty steadily since the beginning. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week one, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, Hasn't cleared 77 yards in a game in the last, uh, what, five or six weeks since week five. He's been under 50 yards receiving twice in the last three weeks. And in the last three games, just 4.9 yards per target, which is pretty terrible. Um, I think people are going to see, and, and this isn't even factoring in the uh, Teddy Bridgewater injury that we talked about earlier. I think people are going to see the matchup with Detroit and just think it's a red light or a, a green light matchup. But, um, you know, I, I'm not that optimistic about Robbie. It seems like the roles of both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel have increased over the last month, month and a half. Um yeah, so I'm not feeling real bullish about Robbie at the moment. Well, you talk mm-hmm. about roller coasters. I've personally been on a roller coaster with Robbie Anderson for what feels like an eternity at this point. <laughs> In actuality, it's closer to about three years. Uh, but he has these streaks, and it doesn't seem to matter who he's playing for and who his quarterback is. He does go in, in these streaks. And uh, it, what looked so promising, like you said, at the beginning of the season has turned into sort of mediocrity. You know, and you're starting him up. It's weird to say, but you're almost kind of starting him on name value with some of these recent weeks. And you just need to do that little extra digging. So that 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 bit about the touchdown since week one, I did not know that either. And that is uh, flooring. Ish. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jake, who's your set of the week? My set of the week, it's a it's a bummer for me because it's been so great to watch this guy's trajectory this season is James Robinson. So James Robinson, rookie for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who came out of nowhere, it seemed like, before this season. There wasn't many people that were willing to tout this guy um, because nobody thought that he really had a, a genuine opportunity. Now he's been gifted the opportunity. And by that, I mean he's gotten almost every single snap out of the backfield. His, his usage is absurd there we're always talking about how workhorse running backs don't really exist much anymore at least they're being phased out james robinson is as close to a workhorse running back as you're going to find in the nfl and that's why it sucks to have to put him in here as a as a potential bust this week it's because pittsburgh is second best against the run in general on the year against running backs and they've gotten their fair share of amazing stud running backs and they have still stuffed all of these guys week after week it's not again i have to preface this it's not to say that he will fall outside of the top 30 or something ridiculous like that but if you are expecting the top eight return that he's had for you in most weeks i don't see a path for him here especially with jake luton that young quarterback i'm terrified for that entire offense in this particular game it's not going to look as easy as it did at times against green bay uh last week for them against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree. It's just an unfortunate that he's uh, come up against the buzzsaw that is Pittsburgh here. Uh, everybody has those weeks. He'll be fine rest of the season. Uh, and he is getting that CMC level of workload this season. With you know, you were talking about how he is a workhorse running back. I mean, it is insane how how much usage he is getting and how much he's on that field. Uh, but yeah, I agree. For this week, it's it's better not to set your expectations too high with him. Indeed. 
All right. And my bust of the week here, rounding this off, is Todd Gurley versus New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is in the top of the league against running backs, uh, only giving up 18.6 total points fantasy points per game uh and todd Gurley this year like he's he's number 11 overall in ppr leagues which is great number one our you know rb1 on the season which is what you love especially for where he was being drafted but it's come on the back of touchdowns this year he's got nine touchdowns already this season and i don't know if you guys realize this but on the season he's only eclipsed 80 yards twice this season in in nine weeks uh otherwise his highest total other than that has been 63 he's just he's not getting the care well he's getting the carries he he's been averaging um oh like 15 attempts a game at least which is what you love to see he's getting the volume but he's just not getting the yards and he hasn't been involved in the passing game at all either uh and then going up against this uh this this New Orleans Saints defense, I mean, it's just it, it's a recipe for failure. So if you have a better option, I would try to move on from him if you can. It's a bummer with Gurley, too, because the big thing I, I was very excited for him. I thought he would have a lot of opportunity coming into this year on that offense. And he did. And, you know, when he started off the season, he he looked he looked better than I think people wanted to give him credit for. Let's put it that way. It's not like he looked like his old world beating self necessarily back with the Rams, but he looked fairly good. It does seem I don't know if it's health related or, or, you know, those legs getting worn out. It does seem like he's really slowing down here these last couple of weeks. And to see Brian Hill trotted out there as much as he's being trotted out there, even though Gurley's getting the touches, it's still a little uh, little unsettling if you're a big Gurley fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Todd Gurley is to running backs as Mike Evans is to wide receiver with the <laughs> touchdown deodorant getting mm-hmm. him by. Um, That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's scored a touchdown in all but two weeks for this season. He's had multiple, multiple, multiple touchdown games, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, sure. he's, he's just so dependent on the touchdowns, uh, which is, I mean, you love to see the touchdowns. Like, that's great. But yeah, he's just not looking like himself and hasn't been in, involved in that offense as I think we had all hoped. Pat, I desperately want to steal that phrase, touchdown deodorant, by the way, and I want, I want to stitch that into a pillow uh, because that is beautiful. Yeah, and I am stealing it from my friend Scott Pianowski of Yahoo, so I cannot take credit for that. That is, We're just going to keep the stealing going, though. We're yeah, not going right. to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so do we want to talk a little bit briefly about some matchups this week, uh, kind of ones we're looking forward to? I think we can do a super quick one if everybody wants to pick out just maybe a potential matchup that you're interested in. Sure. Okay. Uh, Jake, why don't you start us off this time? Switch things up. Yeah, I... I would love to uh, match up from an NFL perspective that I am most interested in this week is actually going to be the Eagles versus the Browns. I have a tendency in this segment to pick the grossest possible matchups for people to have to sit through and actually watch the real football. Of. But from fantasy perspective, again, uh, I do think that there's something interesting about this from a quarterback duel perspective. So it's a good matchup for Carson Wentz. So Wentz last week, sorry. Sorry if anybody had to start Wentz because that was terrible. I do expect a full-on bounce back this week. Um, I'll be very interested to see. Alshon came back onto the field last week and really probably shouldn't have. Um, I'll be I'll be curious to see how much they trot him out. I'm certainly not advocating to start him in any format anywhere except for maybe a DFS dart throw if you want to be really contrarian about it for Alshon. But for a quarterback situation, I think this will be a big bounce back for Wentz. And I do like this also as a pseudo get-right game for Baker Mayfield, who also last week, I think the weather had a real big effect on Baker. And uh, I just hope, I hope, fingers crossed, that this is a bounce back for both quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. How about you, Pat? What game are you looking at here for the weekend? You know, um, I kind of like the nightcap on Sunday, the Chiefs-Raiders game with the Chiefs in the weird spot of having a revenge spot against the Raiders after the Raiders sort of stung them in that first game where uh, they gave up some big plays. I think that was the game where Henry Ruggs had like two catches for 115 yards or something and Mm -hmm. a touchdown. Um, The Raiders have sort of surprised me about their resourcefulness. And uh, I have a good friend who's in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, and loves Fireball, Dustin. Uh, He is a giant Raiders fan. And, like, he's high on this team because they are actually winning in sort of a bunch of different ways. Like, they're 
more versatile than you'd think. Their pass defense has actually not been a train wreck for the first time in what seems like a decade at least. Um, Derek Carr is actually taking some shots down the field, which is wholly unexpected. Uh, they just pummeled the Broncos with their running game. Uh, not just Josh Jacobs, but, uh, Devonta Booker too this past week. So they're kind of a, like a sneaky good team, I think. And, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to hang with the Chiefs again in the rematch. Well, I'm I sure this totally is, see that. I'm sure this is gonna be one of those games where the Chiefs put up like 55 points or something, just because of the last game versus them, and they're just gonna go all out and just boat race them right to the end. Could be, could be. That's <laughs> definitely in the realm of possibility for sure. And to that point, the fact that Carr has been able to make those passes, which I'll just say right now, I'm taking the loss. Me and Dustin had this conversation coming into the season. I was not high on Derek Carr in any sort of. I didn't think Derek Carr would finish out the season as a starting quarterback. For the Raiders, I thought eventually Marcus Mariota would take over. Sure. That's how little I thought of him. So the fact that he's been able to do that and get those long balls to look pretty dang good. Um, Nelson Aguilar resurgence. I mean, come on. That that basically says it all. So, yeah, I, I'd be very interested to see how much he can put up this week. Yeah, and then the game I'm looking at, I was kind of flipping between either the Monday night game or the Thursday night game here, but I think I'm settling on the Thursday night game, uh, which we don't get to say that often. The Thursday games are usually fairly garbage games, but this is the Cardinals versus the Seahawks. It should be a great offensive shootout. Uh, I mean, we saw what the Cardinals did this last week uh, with the heroics at the end of the game. Uh, Russ has been cooking all season. Uh, that offense, when they want to be, can be pretty unstoppable. So I think it should be a high offensive output game. And I'm just here to eat the popcorn and watch the fireworks because it should be a fun one to watch. And it's a divisional game. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of tempers flaring uh, and, and, you know, they're going to want to beat up on each other. So I, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, say what say what you will about the Seahawks, and I sort of hate them as a Packers fan, mm-hmm. but they give you your money's worth in a primetime game. Like Seattle primetime games are always fantastic, so I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be a, a fun one. Mm-hmm. Any other games either of you want to point out here? I want to get to this next little bit really quickly here. That's just my personal well, personal matter. Sure. All right. Well, I, I see that you don't have anything wrote in here, uh, only because I, I didn't put anything in, because for those of you out there, Jake has complained to me about how bad these bets are that we're making. Uh, <laughs> and I say, well, it's because, you know, you, you're not nutting up here and putting anything in the show sheet. So I, I totally just sat back. <laughs> I didn't look... At the schedules, I didn't look at any of the games for this week too closely. I'm letting Jake give us our bet for this week. So, Jake, I hope you got something good. Now, to be fair, I just want to say I really only complained about that first one, that Nick Foles versus Ryan Tannehill's bet. I mean, that was just extravagantly gross. The one last week, I'm not just saying it because I won, but it was a much better <laughs> bet uh, than the other ones. And I also just like to let the show unfold before I make any decision. I don't want them too predetermined for these bets. So, Pat, you are more than welcome to take a side here. You are not uh, forced to, certainly. But if you if, if you hear something that you like, feel free to jump on his side. Okay. Now, Dustin, I want to center this around your start of the week. Now, what we typically tend to do here is a one-for-one, same position, same game type of bet, whether it be yardage or fantasy points. So your start of the week is Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. I want to test your confidence about that. Now, Jonathan Taylor gets Green Bay, again, second worst against the run for, for fantasy points, at least. Aaron Jones, on the other hand, gets the Colts, who are third best, uh, or or from a fantasy perspective, they're, they're bad. Don't start your quarterbacks against, or your running backs against them. So, given that that much of a spectrum here, mm-hmm. I want to test your confidence in Jonathan Taylor as well as your homerism for Aaron Jones. Are you comfortable with an Aaron Jones versus Jonathan Taylor beer bet for overall fantasy points? PPR setting. Oh, for fantasy points. Fantasy points. Oh, I don't like that. Only because of the Aaron Jones receiving. Uh, and he's been a, he's been very valuable in the receiving game and he can catch those touchdowns. Um, now the Colts, the Colts are, are again, they're third and that does encapsulate the receiving I know. as well, to be fair. Um, uh, you know what though? I'll stick with my start of the week. I'll take it. 
I'm not confident like about that. it, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that you are putting that to the test and, you, and you're sticking with Jonathan Taylor. I really just want as many good vibes for Jonathan Taylor as possible. And let's be honest, this is kind of a win-win. You know, if Aaron Jones wins, of course, you're going to be happy. If Jonathan Taylor wins, I think we're both going to be happy that he's come back mm-hmm. and has done something for <laughs> fantasy. So, Pat, are you are you interested in a particular side of this? You know what? I'll... Uh... I'll take the Jonathan Taylor side for who buys the first beer the next time in Madison and I can get together with you guys and uh, have one nice. person. I like that. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> I, I love that you're getting into it. And and again, it's it's win-win really for all of us because mm-hmm. we love Jonathan Taylor as, as all Badger folks here and we love Aaron Jones as all Packers folks here. I couldn't think of a more fitting beer bet for this week. Nice. And actually, I will admit, um, as we were going through the show, that was I was kind of looking at that game too, but I was going to look at it for more of total backfield as opposed to just the the starters, mm. uh, just because we know Jamal Williams is very much involved. And then with Naheem Hines, I thought maybe that would even it out, but uh, I like it. I'll take it. I didn't want to give you that Naheem <laughs> Hines boost. <laughs> I needed this one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that will pretty much do it. We're just about to the end of our show sheet here. Uh, do you guys have any last-minute thoughts here before we sign off for the evening? No? I don't. I was uh, just grateful to be uh, asked to come on the show with you guys and uh, really enjoyed myself. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic show. Um, enjoyed it tremendously, and I want to thank both of you for having me. Oh, no, Absolutely. thank well, you for I'm, I'm joining excited. us. Yeah. I'm excited that you came on here. And I do want to Mm -hmm. point out real quick too, Pat, I listened to one of your more recent episodes and this is kind of out of nowhere, but you used the word haberdashery in one of your most recent episodes. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard a person use that word in my life. I, I got so giddy. <laughs> but no, you're, you're, if folks are not already listening to that podcast, they absolutely need to download that and start immediately because mm-hmm. the information is fantastic. The delivery is fantastic. So just want to give you a quick shout out for that. But yeah, seriously, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Yeah. And then this is your last minute reminder, folks, uh, with waivers being run here tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, I hope you are. Uh, please check your waiver wire for drop players. Uh, you never know who your league mates are going to drop to pick up other players due to injury or bye week or things like that. So there's always some gems out there. And this is your bye week team reminder, San Francisco, the Giants, the Bears and the Bills all on bye. So please do not have them in your starting lineups. They will get you zero points, which is not helpful this time of year uh pat why don't you tell us where people can find you one more time here sure uh my weekly rankings can always be found at thefootballgirl.com uh my podcast is fits on fantasy google that and you will uh get a couple different outlets where you can download and uh you can find me on twitter at fits underscore ff all right jake and why don't you tell the folks where they can find you you can find me at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. All right. And you can find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter. And you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Cheers.